Welcome to Moving Out of Trauma, a podcast made to support trauma survivors with actionable steps and resources so they can start moving out of trauma and into the life that they're craving. I'm the host, Candace Lederger, EMDR therapist, yoga teacher, first time mom, and dog enthusiast. I am here in Phoenix, Arizona, and I am so excited about today's episode. But before we dive into today's episode of Moving Out of Trauma, I want to give you a few reminders. The first is that if you want to start practicing more mindfulness and incorporate more grounding skills in your daily life, but you've had some trouble getting started because of past trauma, I want to offer you a free trauma-informed beginner's guide to mindfulness workbook. I created this workbook with trauma in mind. You can get this free workbook as well as monthly updates about new content by heading over to soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast. You can sign up for our newsletter there and you will get this free workbook directly to your inbox that you can download as many times as you like and get updates when I update it as well. Again, that link is soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast. And a second reminder I want to give is at the end of this recording and the end of every episode for that matter, we will be giving you two resources that we often use in EMDR therapy, which are the container exercise as well as the state change place. So these exercises are visualization exercises that can help you transition from maybe a state of thinking about past trauma, awareness, learning something new into a more calm, more centered way of being so you can go on throughout your day. I hope these resources help and I would love to know your thoughts. All right, let's dive into today's episode. So today I have the very wonderful honor, words, the very wonderful honor of interviewing my dear friend, Brittany Granero. She is a licensed mental health counselor here in the Tampa Bay area. And she has shared with me that her passion is for mental health. And it started at a really early age and it was born out of her own experiences. And she has a very unique mission to provide a safe place for people to really dig deep and find their own inner peace. So her private practice is really focused on trauma, family systems work, and all about showing up as you are, right? Yeah. So she also shared a wonderful quote with me from Brene Brown, who is my favorite. And it says, vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when you have or I'm sorry, when we have no control over the outcome, vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. Okay. Welcome, Brittany. Well, thank you. And thank you for that introduction. And thanks for having me. You're so welcome. I am curious to start off. Why did you choose that quote? Like, what's the draw there? Ooh, ooh, very good question. <laughs> All right, we're going to just dive right in. Just dive um, on in. <laughs> so... <clears throat> Years and years and years ago, (laughs) when I first started therapy myself, I remember my therapist said to me, you, she didn't say in these terms by any means, but she said to me, you are like the least vulnerable person. Mm. And 
it, she didn't mean it as a dig or anything like that. Sure, I just, no. you know, it's one thing to preach being vulnerable and it's another thing mm. to actually do it and live it. And that's always stuck with me. So I have really, really tried to be intentional mm. with my vulnerability. And Brene Brown, man, I mean, she's just, yeah, she's Brene. <laughs> yeah, she's good stuff, man. She's good stuff, right? So however or whenever I saw that, that just stuck with me, stuck with me, excuse mm. me, and it's been kind of like my mantra for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool. I, I did not know that about you. Well. Then, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, that makes sense and also is really cool that you took something that was like a, a learning thing, right? Like something that was kind of like an area of growth and like you took it and you, you created space for that. I think like, it sounds like in like a lot of ways in your life and, and kind of chipped away at it and made it, made it part of your mission. So that's really cool. Yeah. It's still hard. PS. That's (laughs) oh yeah. Always. Vulnerability is always hard. Always. (laughs) Never a good time, but a necessary time. Yes, absolutely. Well, so as you know, this first part of the show is really just to get to know you as a provider. And as I was reading that quote that stuck out in my brain, so I had to ask. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm going to share a second quote. And if anyone out there listening ever understands or like knows where this quote came from, or if you know where this quote came from, definitely let me know because I would love to attribute that person, but I couldn't find that person. It said anonymous everywhere. So Mm. the quote is this, knowing a person is like music. What attracts us to them is their melody. And as we get to know them, we learn their lyrics. And I really love that. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So it kind of just inspired this, you know, desire or, well, the desire was already there, but kind of really came to life like this desire that I have to get to know different providers and to, you know, have other people get to know them and really understand like, you know, the why and and more of the the melody and the lyrics. So my first question for you is why are you so passionate about this work? Mm. You know, I think that I could probably give you a a pretty generic or standard answer with that. So I am intentionally not going to Mm. and be really vulnerable. (laughs) Practice what you preach. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So as I've said, or as you said, I guess in my little introduction, right, it was born out of my own experiences. Mm. And I remember that at a pretty early age, I felt things very, very deeply. I don't know how else to describe it, but I know that I felt things differently. I know it made me feel different. It made me think really deeply. I was very existential Mm -hmm. at a really young age and Mm -hmm. asked a lot of questions. And I realized that if I'm thinking this way, other people are probably thinking this Mm. way. And I remember also having the experience of these thoughts kind of hurt, Mm. right? Like they kind of can, it can be very, not only confusing, but it just can cause pain, right? So Mm -hmm. if I'm feeling this way, someone else is feeling this way. And so from there, for whatever reason, I had this really deep connection with the people that were mentally ill, severely Mm. mentally ill, like the homeless population I was really passionate about for a while, child welfare. So people that were really underserved and underprivileged, 
and it just kind of grew and grew and grew and grew. Mm. So I don't know. There's not like one particular answer. I just feel like that is my purpose. Mm. That's like the work that you were called from, from like a really early age because of how you were built. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And it very much reflects in the like modalities that I use in my practice. Mm. Right. And I know you have questions, so I don't want to (laughs) like jump too far ahead, but that is a really big part of things like inner child work and Mm. IFS and all of that trauma work. Mm -hmm. It just, it's a big part of the puzzle. Yeah. Absolutely. It really is. Yeah. And we are going to get more into that in a little bit. <laughs> and so I don't want us to dive too far, too far, too fast. But yeah, I, I'm excited for that conversation to talk mm-hmm. more about that. So, yeah. So how does your personality show up in the room with your clients? <laughs> That's a good <laughs> question. I am admittedly a bit quirky and <laughs> I am me, right? And I do not I show up that same way for my clients Mm. or I try to without taking away from their experience, right? Because, you know, that's, it's their time, their experience, their pain, their, it's about them. Yeah. I also know that people feel the most safe when Mm. they know a person, right? Kind of like that quote you said in the beginning Mm -hmm. about the music and the lyrics. Yeah. They don't, you know, see me being myself. How? Are they yeah. going to do that, right? We, mm, yeah. we have a responsibility to model that behavior for mm. the people that we are taking, you know, that are coming into session and yeah. sharing their deepest, darkest, painful mm-hmm. secrets. How can another person sit across from them yeah. and not share a single thing about themselves or not be quirky or not be who mm-hmm. they are? I That yeah. feels such like a dis- big disservice mm-hmm. yeah. to yeah. humans. Mm. Well, I mean, you already know, and I'm sure <laughs> if anyone has listened to any of the other episodes so far, they know I have a passion about boxes and you've heard <laughs> yep. me have many a rant yes. on this. But yeah, I, I, you know, I definitely come back to this time and time again of like how, you know, in school, in our trainings, we're taught in a very specific way of like, this is how you be a therapist, like stay in your box. Mm-hmm. And to to put yourself in a box as a therapist and not, not be your genuine self. And of course, like not taking away from their experience, but also to be a genuine human being, you know, how difficult would it be or must it be for a trauma survivor to sit across from a person who has put themselves in a box and it's like that's that's not that's not good role modeling that's not that's not showing vulnerability that's not you know not even gonna help have a a genuine conversation like I mean as a trauma survivor like god I wouldn't want to share anything with that person like how the hell am I supposed to share my deepest darkest secrets with you you look like you're straight out of like a, a picture perfect whatever magazine. Like no sure. thanks. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And how can you trust that other person? Yeah. Right? You know, there's so many components to mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and they're all so important. Yeah. Agreed. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, boxes. Oh, boxes. Uh, someday <laughs> I'll do an episode just on boxes. <laughs> I cannot wait for that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. So what is the number one thing you wish the whole world would know about work in therapy or inner child work or however you want to approach this topic of like the work that you do, what do you just wish more people would understand about this thing? Oh, that's a really good (laughs) question. I want to say that a lot of times I will say this, a lot of time people struggle with inner child work or not struggle with it, but the thought of it, right? Mm -hmm. At first or trauma work in general, right? Is because Mm -hmm. that person does not want to rock the boat, Mm. right? They don't want to mess up this image that Mm -hmm. has been created either in their mind, their family's mind, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, they don't want to rock the boat. And Mm -hmm. which is, by the way, P.S., a trauma response, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not wanting to rock the boat. So if that's the case, it does take a little bit longer in Mm -hmm. order to get to the point that you're ready to do that work. And what I want to say to that effect is that is okay, That is Mm -hmm. necessary. If someone, a therapist or a provider or another human being is pushing you to do it, right? Saying Mm -hmm. you need to do this, you should do this, whatever. Yeah, maybe they're right. Mm -hmm. Maybe you do need that. But it is not going to be what you need it to be in a healing way until you are ready for that. And that may take you know, time doing things like CBT or mm-hmm. acceptance ACT or, you know, what whatever yeah. it is. There's so many different avenues in therapy. And so that's the other thing that I'd like to say is there's not just one modality or one specific way that you have to do X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah. It can be modified and molded to what you need. Mm-hmm. And actually, it has to kind of be, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So that's the biggest Mm. thing, I think, that comes to my mind when you ask that question. Yeah. No, and I I think that, yeah, you're absolutely right, because I think trauma survivors spend a lot of time creating kind of this facade, right? Whether Mm. it's external or internal or both or whatever, to to just want things to be okay, right? To Mm -hmm. just survive, to, you know, and so... I think at least with the clients that I've worked with, I feel like there comes a point in every person's life when they're like, no, that's no longer good enough. I don't want to live in this shell. I don't want to continue doing this. I need more. There has to be more, you know, whatever the case is. And they're ready to start moving out of that. And then it's like, well, what the do I do next? (laughs) Right. And trying to find what avenue do I take and what do I do and what is out there? And I don't know that you and I have had this conversation yet, but that's really another part of why I wanted to do this Mm -hmm. podcast is because I wanted to just 
let people know, like, here's some, some different healing stuff. Like here's some different, you know, and you said it, like, there are so many different ways you can get to a place of healing. It doesn't have to be, you take this, you know, you, you go on this freeway, you turn right, you turn left, you go, you know, whatever, you know, there's so many different methods and yeah, just finding what's the right fit for you right now. Yeah. And the right person, right? The the right mm, therapist. Yeah. That's so, mm-hmm. so important. If yeah. that is not, if that combination is mm-hmm. unhealthy or just you're not meshing. Yeah. Doesn't you click. are allowed to not Absolutely. look like that person. A hundred percent. And in fact, you, you owe it to yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. So, mm. yeah. Yes. Yep. hundred mm. percent. And I think... I don't know, I, I, at least in my own experiences, so I don't know if you've had similar experiences, but hmm. I think as people, like, we often have this, like, perception of, like, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings, or I don't, whatever, like, yeah. the provider, they shouldn't, <laughs> you know, I speaking for myself, but, like, you know, I don't take it offensively when someone's like, yeah, I don't know if this is clicking, like, right, I just don't know if we're a right fit, like, I don't feel 100% connected, like, And so we can talk about that and figure out like, okay, well, who, what do we think is missing that we need to have there? So that way I can figure out who can I refer you to? So that way you can have the thing that you think you're missing Yeah. because it's, it's okay if like we don't click and it's okay to vocalize that. In fact, you should, because Mm -hmm. it is your healing process. It's not, it's not mine. And so I want, you know, every person I come into contact with to be able to have, you know, that genuine connection they want. And if it's not with me, then who's it with? Like, let's figure out how to get you connected with the person that you need. Yeah. And so I just think, you know, put the feelings aside if you think they're you're going to hurt their feelings because at the end of the day, you know, they should just want the healing for you. So, yeah, I, I had a wonderful qualified supervisor when I was a registered intern. And mm. I remember she said to me once, there is, I'm going to, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially she yeah. said, you can never go wrong when you're asking for permission, right? Mm. And so I, I bring that up to say providers should also be checking yes. in with mm. 100%. their clients and saying, is Absolutely. this working? Because if mm-hmm. we're putting 100% of the responsibility on the client, yeah. they're, they're coming to you, yeah. For help. And probably if they have experienced trauma, mm, they probably absolutely. don't know how to, or they feel so, yeah. that they're going to disappoint you or, or whatever yeah. the case may be. Right. Absolutely. So the providers, I just want to, you know, give a shout out, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Hey, check on your people, mm, right? Yeah. <laughs> check in and see how the process is working for mm. them. Yeah. Um, we have. A How response. is it feeling? What's going on? Like, totally. is there something that could be different, or you yeah. know, whatever the case is? Yeah, yeah. Just take a pulse on what's going on with your with your mm-hmm. client. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Mm. And those yeah. conversations too, I think, can be so powerful because that can let you have insight as to. What, what are the things that I'm not picking up on as a provider, you know, that may be going on in their minds and like to figure out, okay, like this is how we can do things differently or this is what you feel like might be missing or what you feel like has been going really well and and what we need more of, you know, mm-hmm. I think those, I, I love those conversations because they're, I think yeah. they're really encouraging to figure out like, just figuring out more of the puzzle. 
Sure, absolutely. And I think too, when you ask those questions, you don't know what answers you're going to get, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. It, so it's like, well, what if, what if that person had this wonderful breakthrough or mm -hmm. they did something that they were super afraid of and they just hadn't gotten around to telling you or they forgot or, or whatever sure. the case may be. And then that's their opportunity yeah. to showcase some things yeah. that they're proud of. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the healing process can be even more furthered because you get to celebrate with them. And sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're teaching, we're supposed to be teaching secure attachment, right? Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. provide is part of secure attachment is, mm -hmm. you know, that nurturing and that checking yeah. in and, hey, when is mom and dad coming back? Right. And all that yeah. stuff that we learn about in grad school. But yeah, it's really powerful when a client can be heard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Okay. So as we transition to our topic today, I know we're going to be talking about like life transitions and the inner child work that you mentioned. So I want to start with I guess, first kind of defining and fleshing out, what do you define, I guess, mm. as a life transition? What does that mean for the people that you see, the work that you do? Yeah. What does that mean in life? Yeah. So that's a really good question. I keep saying that. I'm going to stop because all of your questions are great. <laughs> that's okay. When I say life transition, it could, it's open for interpretation, really. Sure. And because each person is different, whatever transition or change or shift mm. or pivot that they may be experiencing, that's their transition, right? Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. what life transition then is, right? Yeah. So it doesn't matter how I define it. It matters how mm. that person that's seeking support and help is defining mm. it, right? Because yeah. For one person, a life transition could be, you know, moving to a new town or a new state. And for another person, a life transition could be, I don't know, buying their first car and having learning how to manage yeah. their finances. It could yeah. be, you know, transitioning from high school to college. It could, it could be a number of mm -hmm. things. That's what that person yeah, is absolutely. going through. Yeah. And as you were kind of sharing that, I almost felt this parallel of, I don't know if you've ever heard a client share this of like, oh, I shouldn't complain. Like, you know, there are people halfway around the world that are, you know, have it so much worse than me or whatever. And, and yes, while, you know, different humans have different conditions all over the world. And mm -hmm. that doesn't change the fact that like, this is hard for you right now. And mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. And just allowing kind of the space of like, it doesn't matter what the life transition is, is if it's, it's moving to another state or if it's figuring out, you know, how to budget for the first time, like whatever mm -hmm. it is, it's okay mm -hmm. that it's, it's difficult, that it's okay that you can allow space to, to have the feelings <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to figure even out how you feel, mm -hmm. you know, and because sometimes life transitions can be exciting yeah. and typically like it's not just exciting. It, it can also be terrifying. It can sure. be, sometimes it can be really sad. Sometimes there can be grief involved because you're, you're, no, you're losing mm. something. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry. I'm, I'm now just no, kind of going on a tangent, but it. like, I yeah. just, I think that it's really, 
multifaceted, I guess. It is. It's totally multifaceted. I agree with you a thousand percent. I mean, one of my favorite things to say to people (laughs) is comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what is hard for me may not be hard for you. And what's hard for you may not be hard for me or whatever. Or sometimes we'll meet in the middle there. But that comparison, and I could go on a tangent Mm. about that piece in Mm -hmm. terms of things like social media and overstimulation from, you know, technology, all of those things contribute that comparison but it it doesn't mean that it's any less than. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So how do you, I guess my first question this is because life transitions can be so numerous, it can be, it can look like so many different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you typically see when you're, when you're seeing clients, when you're seeing them coming in? how how trauma plays a part in all this because I can I can guess I can put Mm -hmm. my my clinical hat on and and guess but I'm I'm curious because this is part of what you do and what you thrive in Mm -hmm. as to how this manifests and what this really looks like sure so I will I guess just give an example and maybe Mm -hmm. that'll help people to get a good picture So for instance, somebody might call and say, hey, I want to see somebody or I want, I'm looking for a therapist because I'm experiencing anxiety. I just graduated from grad school or college and I'm living on my own and fill in the blanks, right? They come in, we do an assessment and part of that assessment is where they... answer questions from the ACE, the Adverse Mm -hmm. Childhood Experiences Questionnaire, right? And so then I will see their ACE score and they have a variation of assessments, right? And from there, I usually get a pretty good sense of, oh, okay, maybe the ACE Mm -hmm. score is high, maybe it's low, whatever the case may be. And that always comes up. And Mm -hmm. honestly, it's pretty organic. It might take a couple of sessions, but let's just say they say, oh, my anxiety is really high when I go out in social situations or if, Mm. you know, my roommates are all drinking. And then it turns out that one of Mm. their parents was an alcoholic. And so alcohol is really triggering, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, you can't just leave that stone unturned, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So we dive into there a little bit, but I mean, everybody has something, right? Regardless of what that thing is, we all have it. So Mm -hmm. when you are in the midst of transition or change or Mm -hmm. pivoting or shuffling, however you want to categorize it, that stuff gets Mm -hmm. pulled back up subconsciously Mm -hmm. or consciously, right? I mean, if you got into a terrible car accident and then you have to get in your car and drive across the country because you're moving yeah. from Florida to California, of course, mm-hmm. right? You're going to be triggered. And that's yeah. maybe a, you know, a wild example. It's the best thing that I could come up with. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> On the <Yeah>. fly. <laughs> My clients yeah. will tell you I'm not always great at analogies or coming up <laughs> with stuff on the fly. That's me. That's me being that's me. That's funny. However, yeah, through the midst of change is when 
our shit resurfaces sometimes. Mm -hmm. So that's how they mingle. Mm, Yeah. Well, and as you're kind of sharing that, I, I feel like, so this idea Every, every person pretty much I, I have spoken to that has any ounce of anxiety within them most of the time has also anxiety paired with the unknown mm. and like, like, oh, what's going to happen? Like, is this going to be okay? Whatever the, you know, situation is. But when you were sharing that change has unknown, mm. <laughs> like, change is unknown, right? Like change is partly uncomfortable because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how it's going to play out. It's not, you know, it's not predictable. And, you know, when somebody has experienced trauma, trauma in and of itself are the things outside of, outside of our control, the Mm -hmm. things that like we can't foresee the things because if we could foresee them, we wouldn't have them happen. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so all of that to say, that change like echoes this, this trauma response, these feelings. Right. And within that of figuring out like, you know, people like, Oh, like, why is this coming up now? Like, because Mm -hmm. it all, it's all connected. It's all interwoven together in our stickiness of being human. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And you know, I'm going to give an unpopular opinion, even when that is healed, that part of us Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it goes away. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That's a really, I think, common misconception is that, okay, I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to deal with this and then I'm never going to have to deal with it again. Yep. Uh, Oh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I agree with you because A, you're smart and B. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. You're welcome. But, but, Truly, our work, and I hate that we call it work, right? Because Mm. it's just, it's living, it's life. Mm -hmm. And that can be kind of a depressing sentiment, right? That we all have always Mm. have to work on ourselves, right? As if we're some sort Mm. of broken project Mm. that needs to be piecemealed together. We are just humans Mm. having experiences. And those experiences are sometimes painful. Sometimes they're glorious, Mm. right? People don't always come to therapy because they, you know, have some horrible thing that is crippling them right now. Mm -hmm. They just want to maybe reinvent themselves or maybe go inward or maybe revisit Mm. something. It doesn't have, it's not all bad. It's not all and I shouldn't use the word bad. That's not what I meant. But the connotation of going yeah. to therapy, like so, I'm, yeah. something's wrong. Mm. I don't think I answered your question at all, though. <laughs> what was it? To be honest, I'm not quite sure what it was. <laughs> okay, good. Fair. <laughs> I think I was just asking for your interpretation of what I said. But you, you had you had hit on something I think is really important just then of this connotation that so many people, you know, they come into therapy and that this, well, not even that they're coming into therapy, this preconceived notion that so often 
oh, I don't, I don't, I don't need to go to therapy. Nothing's wrong with me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like nothing's wrong with our relationship. Nothing's wrong with how I'm coping. Nothing's wrong with whatever. And it being almost like a defense mechanism. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but this connotation that, that something has to be wrong into, in order to go into therapy when really it can just be that you're, you're ready to, you know, go to a next step with something. You're ready to dive in a little deeper. You're ready to grow in a different way. You're not sure how to navigate this thing and you need to talk it out with someone that's not biased, like, you know, whatever it's, there's so many different cool spaces that I think therapy can show up in, Mm -hmm. but so often, especially in our, you know, our culture, because I think mostly television or movies or whatever, like the idea of going to therapy is like the person sitting on the couch, you know, (laughs) and then the person in the back of them, like scribbling notes down and like, that's that's not necessarily how therapy has to look. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or even does look right. I mean, yeah, that's not even real life. Mm-mm. It's just nope. not. Clinicians are evolving. Mm-hmm. And I know we're not necessarily going there, but it is, it is, therapy is so individualized. That's what I love yeah. about it, right? I mean, yeah. you are doing something different every single hour yeah. with a different person. And that is really yeah. cool, right? That yeah. you get to be a part of that. And yeah, it's just, it's so different now. People, mm-hmm. therapists are disclosing, therapists yeah. are, you know, just showing up as they mm-hmm. are in so many different ways. And so, yeah, it's not like what you see yeah. in movies at all. No, it's really not. As a sidebar, I am really excited for like whatever this looks like in 20, 30 years after mm-hmm. this is, I mean, I'm sure it'll be another pivot, another journey, another, you know, whatever that therapists then are going through. But I think it'll be really neat to see how this transition plays out, how this growth period plays out for our field. Because yeah. you're right. I think we're we're definitely in a place of transition and mm-hmm. it's cool to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you said one other thing that I kind of wanted to revisit and hit on was this idea that I I also hear a lot in clients of like, I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to do this work. I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to, you know, grow. I'm going to learn. I'm going to, you know, do the things. Right. And then life is going to be rainbows and butterflies. (laughs) Then everything is going to be fine. Like then Mm -hmm. everything is going to be this picture perfect thing. And a lot of the times I have to have this conversation because, you know, when I'm starting to see someone, I I start with that question of like, what do you want life to look like and feel like, like, what is, what are you, what are we after here? Like, what are we trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. Uh, And within that, typically there is that rainbows and butterflies kind of theme that comes up Um, and talking about like, you know, it is a hundred percent like acceptable and desirable to like want to work toward this goal and just because we've healed through trauma does not mean that it's not going to like be in your brain. Like it doesn't mean that you, you, I mean, it doesn't erase that it happened. Right. It just kind of means that, Hey, it's not going to be popping up after every corner Mm -hmm. and scaring the crap out of you all the time. Right. Like, but it's still, it's still a shitty thing that happened and kind of normalizing that as like, we still go through crappy things Mm -hmm. and, healing doesn't necessarily take away that they happened and it does help us to be able to move forward in a new way find a new perspective sure to just kind of grow forward 
Absolutely. And it also, you know, I'm not sure where to necessarily go with this. However, what I, what I know is that we do not get to stop life from happening. I wish mm-hmm. we could. Right. Yeah. So I'm saying after the healing, right. Or yeah. after you mm-hmm. feel like you have accomplished whatever right. it is. And maybe this sounds like a little dark and twisty and I don't mean it mm-hmm. to sound dark and twisty. Just say it. But there's still going to be bad stuff. Yeah. Or things that are uncomfortable and shitty days. Like There yeah. are still going to be days where, where you wake up and you are riddled with, I don't know, fear about something. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. still think that change sucks. You're not just yeah. going to be like, yes, yeah. I love change. Or, right. Yes, I love everything is awesome. That's not ever going to happen. I mean, I can't say never because that's not fair. But yeah, you're still going to be a human yeah. being living this living on this earth, mm-hmm. walking this walk, having these experiences. Yeah. And it's going to be hard. Yeah. Just like that normalizing like life is not perfect and even though like when you reach a point where it's like ah like that exhale right that place Mm -hmm. of like ah like I finally feel good right Mm -hmm. like and that's beautiful and we can't necessarily hit the pause button and never return back to life being hard sometimes and it also means that you did you've done a shit ton of work right before that to have some more skills to be able to navigate the hard stuff to where it's maybe not as hard as you might think it's going to be because now you have stuff in your back pocket that you, you know, you can pull out and figure out like, Mm -hmm. how does this look different for me now? Yeah, absolutely. Just because I have run a marathon, that doesn't mean that I don't need Mm -hmm. to train for the next marathon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Not to say that life is a marathon. Again, I don't (laughs) mean to sound dark and twisty because I don't, (laughs) I don't mean that all the time. But but, sometimes it feels dark and twisty. Yeah. Sometimes it does feel dark and twisty. And I don't know, this is where you then create circles of people that are Mm -hmm. like-minded and that have done healing work themselves and create that support system so that you can get through that or you can help someone else. Right. I mean, that is what we are supposed to be doing is Mm -hmm. connecting with other people and being kind. And Mm. I don't know, I'm going off on a tangent now, but yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's a beautiful tangent. I like it. (laughs) Okay. So I know we also want to talk a little bit about inner child work. And so Ooh. now that we've talked about like all of these different paths, <laughs> I, I want to hit on this inner child work, mm. inner child work, excuse me, and A, what this means, how it looks in therapy, what it looks like in therapy with you. Yeah, let's just kind of dive into to what this means. Sure. So I actually long time ago, not long time ago, a couple of months ago, saw something on TikTok that's going to help me give a really good explanation. So this is actually what I use with my clients. I saw a TikTok. It was, or maybe during COVID, it was about a teacher who was a preschool Mm -hmm. teacher. And she was talking to, I guess, a parent 
And the parent was saying, why is my kid throwing tantrums, whatever the case may be, or why are, why are they mad asking the preschool teacher a question? And the teacher said to the parent, you seem angry. And they were mm-hmm. like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, you are a grown adult mm. feeling that emotion. And it probably feels pretty big, right? And it, mm. it probably is really uncomfortable, right? And they said, yeah. And he said, well, your son or daughter, whomever, is also having that feeling of anger. And look at their little body. Look at their, look how small they are, right? And they're managing that really big emotion yeah. in that body. And then whatever, there was an awakening, everything was fine and mm. good. But that is how I explain inner child work. Just mm-hmm. because you are an adult does not mean that you don't have those same emotions or experience them in a childlike way, right? That Mm -hmm. child grows up to be you, right? That child that Mm -hmm. was angry or sad or hurt or scared or joyous or whatever the case Mm -hmm. may be, that was you (laughs) 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever. That person didn't go away. They just became the adult version of you, right? Yeah. So that child deserves to be heard. That child deserves Mm. to be parented. And that child also has to learn some skills, right? Mm. And so, you know, the concept of inner child work was developed by Carl Jung. um, Mm. And not to get like too clinical or dive in too, too deep, but essentially it is teaching people that whatever they gained from their childhood, whatever experiences, whatever pain, whatever the case may be, that that stays with them, that unconscious Mm. unconscious parts stays with us as we develop in time. And then it becomes like a wound, right? And we have to heal that and we have to nurture that and we have to develop it and help it become, Mm. it doesn't have to go away. Inner child work is not saying, okay, that inner child becomes an adult. That inner child (laughs) then just becomes healed, right? You can still engage in that inner inner child whenever you want. You can play through painting, whatever your hobbies are, whatever that younger version of you needs in that time. But it is such beautiful, hard, messy, meaningful Mm. work. And that is the forever part of therapy, right? Mm. Because that inner child is with you for the duration of your life. And you have to continue to care for that part of you, Mm. right? So Mm -hmm. it is huge. It is, again, messy and dirty and all that, but it's also so, so necessary. And we don't even realize the healing that that inner child needs until we start doing the work and unlocking that door, which is where, you know, things like internal family systems work comes into play. Mm -hmm. And that modality of, of psychology Mm -hmm. work together beautifully because you're, you're healing these parts Mm -hmm. of you. Yeah. 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 And I'm curious, because at the beginning you had shared, you know, that these excuse me, these types of therapy, these modalities, mm-hmm. um, you're very passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we kind of started to dive in and I'm, I'm curious yeah. now to kind of revisit that as to like sure. why these parts, these modalities are a passion for you. Well, 
I do not know a single human being that mm -hmm. their younger self or younger years, years, excuse mm -hmm. me, childhood experiences, good, bad, or indifferent, yeah, have shaped or impacted them. Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. a single one, right? Mm -hmm. Even people that say, "No, I had the greatest childhood." Well, that's great. Sure, sure. I'm not. I'm not saying you had to have a bad childhood, but mm -hmm. that laid the foundation. Yeah. for you as a human being, right? Mm -hmm. To live life and the way that you see the world and mm -hmm. the relationships that you have with other people. That's mm -hmm. probably when it started, right? Yeah. Because as we know from a psychological perspective and a developmental perspective, there are certain periods of time in a human yeah. being's life where parts of their brain are become activated, right? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> when a baby transitions to a toddler, they use, they're beginning to find mm -hmm. ways to use their voice and language, but they're still acting and engaging the way that they were when they were one or six months, mm -hmm. right? Because they're mm -hmm. learning until, yeah. until they find their words and the yep. development of, of all of that from an anatomical perspective, right? It's so mm -hmm. impactful. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think about, at least from like inner child work, and it's, it's really, it's, how do I say this? Like, it's different words describing the same thing. Mm. Um, you know, in a lot of EMDR work, we call it as parts work yeah. instead of inner child work, but it's the same thing. It's, mm. you know, figuring out what parts of ourselves, you know, and again, it doesn't have to be, you know, bad or ugly or whatever. It could have been, you know, Hey, my five-year-old self, or, okay. you know, this, this inner part of myself felt heard felt, mm -hmm. you know, like I could make choices independently, felt like I could have that safety net, you know, whatever. And so now, you know, I'm going through this change and I'm, I'm feeling okay about it. I'm feeling like I can voice this thing. I feel like I can do this mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's still scary. Mm. And you know what I mean? Like, and it's still difficult. Mm. And like, I feel like in the, in the reverse of that, when someone experiences any any amount of trauma, mm -hmm. right, small, big, whatever, that it all impacts all of those little parts and all of those pieces of ourself. Mm -hmm. um, and so when when we're growing, when we're developing, you know, both our our brains and our our bodies and our mm -hmm. souls and just everything, right, all being interconnected as they are, but that they are also experiencing the stuff, right? And so yep. if we are not heard, if we are told to, you know, be silent, if, you know, whatever the repercussions are for, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, that that stays with you. And that also needs, like you said, that nurturance, that that acceptance, that attention to be able to move forward and to, you know, take that part of you mm -hmm. And to carry it with you and yeah. to honor it, but to just come at it from a different place rather than, you know, kind of fragmented, I guess, is what Ooh, yeah. we talk about in EMDR. So I, I'm approaching this from that perspective. No, and I so love I'm it. Curious yeah. yeah. How that jives with, with the inner child work that you do. Listen, so, you know, internal family systems, that is that mm -hmm. is it, right? Yeah. That, is, that is the belief, right? That 
we have all these subconscious parts, yeah. right? We all have inner dialogue. We all have, you know, different mm-hmm. needs that have to be met. And those needs may be characteristic of that part of you, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. There's actually, there's a really good book, just shout out for a resource, I guess, yeah. right? It's called mm-hmm. a book called Greater Than the Sum of Your Parts um, mm-hmm. by Richard mm-hmm. Schwartz, excuse me, who, you know, developed AFS. But mm-hmm. anyway, he says that we should all be practicing every morning, mm-hmm. asking ourselves, like, what mm-hmm. part of us needs to come forward? What part of you mm-hmm. needs to be nurtured today? Or what part yeah. of you needs like to dance in the rain, right? I mean, yeah. who needs to come up forward so that you're acknowledging that? And it sounds a little cheesy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love cheesies. <laughs> but it, I promise you it feels so good yeah. to be able to say, hey, I need to have this need met. Yeah. And then actually accomplish that and follow through with mm. that for yourself or for that part of you. Yeah. Man, that's so effing yeah. powerful. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say liberating. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and so healing. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And who doesn't like to play in the rain, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Good experiences. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so I know that we could probably continue this topic for a very long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, however, for the, the sake of timing and, and respectfulness <laughs> for you, as well as, you know, our, our listeners, I do want to shift gears if you feel sure. comfortable with that. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else that you felt like you wanted to share or anything that you feel like you wanted to make sure we hit on today? No, no. I just, I think it's just exciting that people want to know what it is and, you know, have the resource. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we are going to go ahead and take a quick break so I can share a few resources and we will be back in just a moment. That's good. I wanted to take a quick pause to share with you a few resources. So if you are looking for ways to find more grounding and more mindfulness into your daily life and with real actionable steps, I've developed a workbook that will walk you through developing this skill. It comes from a trauma-informed lens. So if you've tried mindfulness before and you felt like it was more triggering than useful, you could have been actively dealing with a trauma response. So this workbook is designed for trauma survivors, and more than that, it gives you actionable steps and it's packed with information. So whether your schedule looks like a stay-at-home caregiver, whether you're someone who works a nine-to-five or something else entirely, there's something in this workbook for you. So you can head over to soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast. You can subscribe for our newsletter where you'll get reminders once a month about new content and an email with that free workbook. Again, that link is soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast, and you can find that link in the show notes. If you are enjoying this episode, and I truly hope that you are, if you think that it might be useful for someone else, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform or on podchaser.com, because that is the best way to get the word out about this podcast. And lastly, if you'd like to work with me and you live in either Arizona or Florida, I now have openings for EMDR intensive sessions. 
These are sessions that are longer than your standard 50 minute therapy session and can really help you reach a place of grounding and healing from past trauma quicker than the standard talk therapy session once per week. So if you'd like to find out more about this, I invite you to set up a free 15 minute consultation where we can chat about if this type of work is right for you. It is also a great accompaniment for if you are already working with a therapist and you're having a hard time breaking through some kind of block or trauma response or trauma trigger. You can go to soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash contact, which will be in the show notes. All right, let's get back to today's episode. All right, we are back with Brittany Granero. And for this next section of this show, we are sharing providers aren't robots. Mm. And, you know, like I talk about and shared at the beginning of this episode, and I've shared with you many times the boxes that we continually put ourselves in, selves in is a little bit of a passion, you know, spot for me. And this, this part of the show was really kind of built out of that because I feel like, so anytime we go to a provider for a first time or a lot of the times I find that until, you know, clients kind of learn who I am as a person and feel more comfortable with me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they are seeing us in a very small window of life, right? Yeah. Like they're only seeing this little snippet mm-hmm. and we are so often seeing them in one of the hardest parts of their lives. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make this portion of the show really about like humanizing providers and showing people like, Hey, Y'all, we're human, just mm. like you. Mm. We are we are not perfect. We don't fit in those boxes. And, you know, this is who we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as we have been talking today, I don't know if there has been an instance in your mind that has come up regarding this that just, just proves that you're not a robot, that in fact you are human, Brittany Granero. Uh, well, I have something that happened literally to me this morning. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so... I think this is what you're looking for. So correct me if I'm wrong. I started my day, I had telehealth in the morning and then I was going into the office for the duration of the day. I finish my telehealth. I clean up my house, you know, whatever. Grab my coffee, walk out the door, get to the office. All of a sudden I realize I do not have my computer. I don't even I don't even have my work bag. I don't even have my purse. Oh no. <laughs> I just brought myself. That was it. Yep. And the, my keys. <laughs> that was it. So, you know, yeah. I, I yeah. human. Not yeah. maybe the yeah, it's just no not maybe the best example, but it's, no, it's no, it's a perfect morning. example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a perfect example because it just shows like this is this is me. This is, yeah. you know, and, and that sometimes we we do things like that. We just we I shared this in another episode and I don't know if I've told you specifically about this, but I'm gonna okay. tell you right now. Okay. So there was one time where I went to like a play class with uh, my kiddo mm-hmm. and we were in the middle of like one of these songs and I went to go reach to my phone to see what time it was. Mm-hmm. And I pulled out a baby monitor instead of a phone <laughs> and it was like really hashtag parenting, like moment, yeah. like really. And it was just like, I, I felt so disorientated for a moment sure. of like, I, I'm not looking at this and my kid is sleeping in his crib. Like, cause that's when I look at it. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. like, I am not in my house. Like what is happening? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and so, yeah, just these moments of like, like malfunction. If yeah. we're a robot, like, yeah. <laughs> like what is happening? But yeah, I, I think that's a really perfect example of like, you know, our brains just just doing what they want to do. <laughs> I have about showing up at thousand more if you want. So oh, yeah, just I know. <laughs> I I get it. I I feel I feel the same. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Oh, what was I going to just say? I don't know. I didn't write it down, so I don't remember. Yeah. All right. So moving forward. Moving forward. <laughs> We're going to call uh, it a human moment. That's right. It is a human moment. <laughs> We're going to call it any. That's that's the new rule. Anytime. The, yeah. It's mm-hmm. a human moment. It's, it's not anything. Moment. Yep. That's right. Anything less, anything more. It's just a human moment. That's right. Mm. Yeah. All right. Trauma tip of the week. Mm. So, well, actually bi-weekly because we do this podcast bi-weekly, but a trauma tip that maybe you feel is helpful to most people that you work with or you feel like everyone should know or hear about. Hmm. That's a big question. It's a really important question. Oh, go ahead. What were you gonna I was going to say, I kind of feel like you are, you gave one a few minutes ago, but I'm curious if you have another one that you'd like to share. Oh, You're like, I, I don't even remember. I don't even remember what I said. Let's see. If I could give a piece of, what is it, advice or a tip, excuse me. Okay. Yeah, for... just like a tip of, okay. you know, so part of this being wanting to give trauma survivors, survivors real actionable steps that they can okay. take today. And so- Obviously, part of that is, you know, introducing you to a new provider, um, Mm -hmm. you know, getting to know a a different topic as it relates to trauma, you know, the resources that we provide in the show and something real and actionable like, hey, I could try this out today and see how it sits with me. Got it. Okay. So something that may sound a little silly, but I think a big thing about trauma work is getting in touch with your body, right? The sensations Mm -hmm. in your body and Mm -hmm. feeling like you're in your body. So something Mm -hmm. that is powerful or has been helpful in the past to people is if you have a pool to Mm. float in the pool. Okay. Yeah. To help with that or to do something like going in a sauna or taking a shower, right? Water can be really, really helpful Mm, when you are trying to connect with your body. Yeah. And just kind of like being aware of like the sensations and yeah. like what, what happens. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, being there, right? Like the practice mm, of let's present. just say, yeah, being present in the pool, right? Like if you're floating in the pool, your body is doing that for mm-hmm. you, right? You're yeah. not having to do much, right? You're, you're lying mm-hmm. there floating, feeling the sensation, and then also appreciating mm-hmm. the fact that you can do that. Right. And mm, yeah, you know, you have to trust yourself to be able to relax yeah. into floating, right? Mm. There's a lot of things that are um, helpful to, to mm-hmm. connect and feel embodiment in that practice. Absolutely. Which is funny that you share that as a tip because I, when you started to share it, I was thinking you were going in a, another direction. So I want to share oh, that direction if that's okay. Please. <laughs> I, I was just kind of thinking about how, so with like trauma informed yoga, right? Mm-hmm. So really allowing yourself to, so like, let me think about, so if it's like chair pose, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are in chair pose to, in that posture to, 
feel what the legs feel like mm-hmm. and to also allow the body to say like, hey, if this doesn't feel comfortable, you can move, right? Mm-hmm. And a big part of that being the choice behind it as you make the choice as mm-hmm. to what your body needs, what you need in that moment. Mm-hmm. Now, oftentimes in a yoga class, right, we're not taught that because right. it's taught like, you know, hold it together, do the thing, like, you know, yeah, you know, because it's, you know, here in the West, it's become more of an exercise thing. But a lot of it being, you know, coming from that trauma sensitive lens of mm. listening yeah. and making the choice that you need for yourself rather than the choice that you need or the choice that you think is what is needed or whatever. Sure. Or maybe what was um, needed in survival, yes. right? Yes. Not necessary yes. right now. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, And that even echoes. So what the tip was that you shared earlier was, so the greater than the sum of their parts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like listening to, okay, what do, what, what part of myself needs to come forward today? What do I need today? Like, do I need joy? Do I need to dance in the rain? Do I need to, you know, listen to music with the windows down? Do I need Mm. to, you know, whatever? Or do I need to scream into a pillow? Do I need Mm. to, you know, feel like my five-year-old self can share and just cry or, you know, whatever it is of just allowing yourself that choice. Yeah. And I think that's huge with trauma because like we said earlier, like trauma strips us of that choice. Mm -hmm. And so finding those moments and making them very purposeful mm-hmm. to take back our choice, yeah, to take back our power. Because I think that's those small moments add up, and that's that can be really healing. Sure, and we also get to change our mind, right? You mm-hmm. also reserve mm-hmm. the right to change your mind, um, which is so so powerful. I think too for mm-hmm. people that have gone through trauma, is we often then subsequently live out of pure need, right? Mm, Um, No wants, no choices. Mm. Our world can become small because of the pain, right? And so then we take ourselves out of the equation in terms of, well, we don't even want to make choices then, right? You have to learn those skills or relearn those skills and how Mm. they can be used for you, right? To to make those choices or to even begin to wrap your brain around being Mm. able to make your own choice. That is the first step that comes before even, you know, anything else. Like that I have a choice that I can make. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So the final fast, sometimes funny questions that I have for you. And some of these, I don't know about you. So I'm excited to to see. And again, this is just to hone in on our humanness and a fun way to wrap up the show. Well, and if I may, Uh, Mark asked if you were going to ask me if there was going to be if I like pineapple on my pizza, I'm like, I don't know what she's going to ask because he wanted to that's know. That's so funny because that's one of the questions. Did oh, you know that? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> I'll have to oh, tell so me funny. he was right. He'll yes. Well, let's start with that one first. Should okay. pineapple be on pizza? What do you think? Hard no for me, man. Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I think it's delicious. I'm sure it is. I'm sure <laughs> it is. Honestly, I have never tried it. I just, really? I just okay. don't. And maybe I can't then say that I don't believe hmm. that it should be there, but okay. I don't know, man. <laughs> okay. That's okay. You're allowed to, you're allowed your opinion, right? Thank you. Uh, I will say my favorite is like barbecue sauce and like when the Ooh. pineapple 
cold, but the pizza is hot. Okay. I don't really know why. Sure. But I think that's what, I mean, my stomach is growling literally thinking about this. It sounds <laughs> amazing to me. But yeah, I think you should try it sometime. Try a bite and see like, okay. I don't know. I promise you, I will try it and report back. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just I'm going to tell Mark. Does Mark like pineapple on no, pizza? No, we both, listen, I either like veggies on my pizza or just like triple cheese. Like I love all the cheese on my pizza. All the che- I, yeah. I mean, cheese is amazing. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Anyway. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'll yes. make him try Let it him too. know that that is, yeah. Yeah. And then tell me. And okay. if you hate it, that's okay too. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Where would you go if you could visit any place on earth? Any place on earth? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just one place? Let's go with the first place. Okay, let's go with the first place. What's Italy. the first place you would? Yeah, okay. Italy. That's one of my bucket list places. Yeah. I have a lot of them, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. What makes you feel inspired or motivated to do, to do this work that you love? What makes me, I think people, Mm. they, I don't know. It's just people deserve to have healing and happiness. Mm. Yeah. We are supposed to be able to, I don't know, be kind to each other and kind to Mm. ourselves. And we are supposed to have goodness in the world. Yeah. And we are supposed to also make changes for the better Mm. and to be able to collectively do that how beautiful would that be if we could all just Mm. not even agree right just simply be be kind so people are the thing that motivate me yeah the belief Mm. that it's it can get better Mm. yeah I have to believe that I have to believe that agreed Agreed. Yeah. yeah. What is one thing that people are generally surprised to find out about you? <laughs> I don't know. I think the thing that people always are surprised to find out about me is twofold. Number one, how old I am. And number two, that I, I'm very much like, I'm a very relaxed person, even though I have really mm-hmm. high anxiety. <laughs> right like I will go with the flow I don't know I I'm working on stillness in my life so Mm. or I'm trying to trying to do that (laughs) so I think that that's a tough one yeah it is a tough one or I guess I that's what I want right that's the ultimate goal Mm. so that's what I strive for yeah makes sense what does and this may lead into the next one what does a simple moment of pure joy look like for you Ooh, that's a great question. This sounds really cheesy, but really anything in nature. Mm, I absolutely love being in nature. That is the thing that always brings me back to earth. So, yeah, there's something definitely about it to be in nature. Like it's, it's almost like oxygenating for your soul. Yeah. Watching the, walking the beach on sunset or at sunset, Mm. excuse me, or hiking up a mountain, there is absolutely nothing like looking out and realizing, whoa, this is more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful (laughs) way to say it. No, that's absolutely it. Yeah. 
Well, thank you, Brittany, for coming on Moving Out of Trauma today. It has been a pleasure to kind of dive into this conversation with you and talk just more about you know, what it all means, what the life transitions look like, what trauma can look like, what inner child work can look like. And just to hear, hear about you and who you are. Thank you. Well, I very much appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you. This is great. I agree. Thank you so much for joining me today on moving out of trauma. If you'd like today's episode and you think it might be useful for someone else, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform or on podchaser.com. And if you have any questions at all, I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can find me over on Instagram at soulmission underscore EMDR therapy or on Facebook at soulmission EMDR therapy. If you'd like, please stay tuned for the visualization exercises coming up next to transition to the next part of your day. And remember, you did not choose trauma and you can choose your path towards healing. This is moving out of trauma. So I just want to invite you to find a comfortable position and to make sure that you're doing this exercise somewhere safe, somewhere where you feel um, that you can take a few moments for yourself and definitely not while you're driving. So we're going to start with the container activity and then move into the calm seat place. So it's good to have a secure place where you can store memories and issues and, and things that may need still some work, but also maybe you don't need to focus on them right at this point. So if you think about it, almost like cleaning up the files on your desktop computer. So You can just feel a little bit less overwhelmed and focus a little bit more efficiently. The files are in a safe place and you can access them the next time that you need to. So to start creating this container, I'd like you to imagine some kind of container or storage system that can securely hold as much as you need it to for as long as you need it to until you're ready to work on it again. So this container can be something you imagine. It could be something that's real. We just wanna make sure that this container has a lid or some type of secure closure. So that way there's a way to take things out only when you want to. Now it's important to note, we don't wanna put people in containers, but we can put memories and feelings and any kind of situations. So take a moment and really think about what that container might look like. Notice how the container feels. Notice how it feels that it's there for you. Should you choose to use it or when you choose to use it. And now if you need to use that container, I want you to picture allowing whatever needs to go in there to take its place in there. This can happen slowly. This can happen quickly. However it needs to happen, it's okay. Just allow the pieces, the memories, the thoughts, the feelings, the situation, whatever it is, to just slowly take its place into that container. 
Now, once you feel like the things that need to be in the container are in there, I want you to close that container. Some people like to imagine that there's a lock there or some kind of secured closure beyond just a, a lid. So if you like, you can go ahead and lock that. And then just imagine it kind of taking its place back into wherever it needs to be. So this could be a place that you think of in your home. This could be an imaginary place, wherever it is. Just some place that we know that it's there when we need it. And now we're gonna transition to that calm state change place. So this is a really good activity to develop a couple of ways to feel more calm and secure without really needing to rely on something or someone external than us. So one way we can do this to create this type of place that you can visit internally whenever you want, kind of like having an instant mini vacation on demand. So see if you can think of a place where you might feel a sense of calm or a sense of well-being. You can imagine a place that's similar to one that you've experienced or heard about or read about. It's best not to use a specific memory with people, though, from your own history. So some people like to think of the beach or the woods mountains, maybe someplace they feel cozy. So just notice this place. Notice what you hear. Notice what you smell. Look around. What do you see? What do you feel? Maybe either the temperature, the time of day, even down to how you feel in your body as you imagine yourself in this place. Really just allowing yourself to soak up every single positive part of this place. The way it looks, the things that you hear, the things that you smell, the things that you might be able to touch, any textures or temperatures, and really encapsulating what you feel in your body as you're in this place, as long as it feels good and calm and a place of centeredness. Now, knowing that this place is always available to you because it is within you. It's a place of your very own making. A place that you can return anytime you need. Whether it's for quick deep breaths, returning to center, or maybe even winding down for the evening. This place is always here for you. 
So this recording is going to finish, but if you'd like to stay in this place a while longer, you're certainly more than welcome to do so. And I hope that you'll join me next time on Moving Out of Trauma.